Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of a sermon that Pastor Gary preached on August 15th. This sermon is part two in our sermon series that focuses on God's mercy. We are looking at different verses of the Curie uh, each week as part of this. And so this week, we focus on the second verse of the Curie, which talks about having an impassioned response to the hungry and the poor. And so Pastor Gary's sermon explores that theme and what it means to have an impassioned response, what it means for God's impassioned response to be activated through us and our words and actions. I'll let him say it more. He does it much better than I can. Uh, But this is also based on readings from Ruth chapter 2 and Mark chapter 2. And as I said, it's part two in this four-part series that we're doing. As always, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Please share it with some family and friends, people who might want a little bit of uh, faith life, you know, reminders of their faith in their day-to-day. We are hoping that these podcasts get listened to while folks drive to work or while you're out on your morning walk or your morning run, that in some ways you can have that continued connection with God and your life of faith throughout the week. I'm going to turn it over now to Pastor Gary as he shares with us a sermon from August 15th. Well, intern Rita might have done too good of a job of introducing that story uh, that we have from the, from the uh, first reading from Ruth. I was going to fill you in on all of those details, but now maybe you only get a three-minute sermon. But my guess is I'll find enough to fill in along the way. Let's find out. So we hear about this story of Ruth, and we pick up at the point where we're looking at Maybe what we're talking about from that second verse of our Kyrie eleison that we sung, where we sing that we may live out your impassioned response. That is, what we're actually praying to God is that we might live out God's impassioned response to the hungry and the poor. And as we look at that, we see the first model of that being Boaz, where Boaz looks at what Ruth is doing for her mother-in-law, Naomi. By all accounts, Ruth could have been done with Naomi, gone back to her own people, her own country, but instead, instead she stayed with her. And now she is out in the field working, gleaning, But what happened in that day is that as a person who owns the field, they would hire workers to go in the field and harvest all of the grain. So they would go through and they would collect most of it. But some would would inevitably fall on the ground or some wouldn't be worth them getting every last morsel. It would just take too long. There also was a precedent that you took most of it, but you always left a little bit for those who had no other way of providing for themselves. And so that's where Ruth comes on the scene. And she's gleaning, that is, taking care of those scraps that might have been left in the field. And now Boaz has invited her to have lunch with his hired hands. What we see right now is part of this impassioned response is to completely ignore all of the social convention of the day. Ruth should never have been invited to that meal. But when she comes, we also read further that Boaz doesn't just say to her, oh, I see what you're doing for your mother-in-law. Here, have a morsel. But instead it said he 
heaps up a pile of grain for her, so much that she ate it and was satisfied and still had some left over, that she's been invited into this kind of inner circle, even if it was with the workers of the field, was beyond what anybody could imagine. And then Boaz is not done. Here's the thing. I would have been done. I know that about myself. I would have been done at this point. And so when we sing in this Kyrie that we may live out God's impassioned response, that is so important to me because I know I don't always have the most impassioned response. My response will probably be somewhat measured. I might have handed Ruth a little morsel of food just to get her through, but not Boaz because I know if you leave it up to me, sometimes the response will be cynical because sometimes I have this cynical streak that runs through me. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife afterward. She'll tell you it's true. And sometimes I realize that my sense of of generosity could not possibly match God's sense of generosity. So I need to constantly learn from people like Boaz. So when I would have been done with all of this, Boaz has more to say. Even says to his workers, let her work nearly alongside of you and leave some of the good grain for her so she doesn't have to bend over and scrape up uh, all the scrappings from the ground. And then when you've got the good grain and you bundle it because that's what you do with all the good stuff, you put it in the bundle. He says, take some out of the bundle, which means take some of the best stuff and even leave that for her. And that's our first indication of what it means for God to come out and have a response to the poor. And we'll see that this is This is unveiled throughout Scripture. We can't possibly get to all of the places where that gets unveiled. We've talked earlier in the the year about manna in the wilderness and so much that comes with all of that. But we'll go into our gospel reading where Jesus is walking through the field with his disciples. And they walk through and they they pluck heads of grain. Probably what they do is kind of strip that... uh, the grain off the stalk and you can sometimes like rub that in your hands and blow the chaff off of all of that so you're left with this kind of a, a gummy ball of wheat uh, a grain that you can put in your mouth and is probably satisfying and the pharisees see this now this is what i think is the most interesting the pharisees are not upset that they're doing this in a field that they don't own that really wasn't a big deal that they would take grain that they don't own what they're upset about is The fact of stripping a stalk of wheat of its grain, rubbing it in your hands, blowing that chaff off, that's too much work to do on the Sabbath. That would be against the laws of the Sabbath about how much work you could perform. So the Pharisees are upset that the disciples are somehow working on the Sabbath. And so when we understand what what it would mean to open up God's impassioned response, Jesus comes to the Pharisees and reminds them, hey, When David was hungry, he went into the house of the Lord and ate the bread of the presence, which only a priest is allowed to eat. David was a king, not a priest. And he's looking at the Pharisees saying, so now are you angry with David? Because he knows the Pharisees cannot come out and say, well, David was very wrong. He should not have done that. That's not what a Pharisee was going to be able to do. But Jesus isn't done. Maybe Boaz set social convention aside and allowed Ruth to be a a, a part of the gleaners and what she was doing. Now, 
what Jesus is saying. David actually set the law aside, the law that said that only a priest could eat this bread. And now Jesus is saying, if you really want to understand God's impassioned response, God's willing to rewrite the law. God is willing to rewrite the law to allow a passionate response to come through. And I realize this is not something I'm capable of. I know my limitations and I would not be able to live that out. So our call is not to find our own way. Our call is once again to find God's way to find out what does God try to speak to us in this moment. And what God would say to us is don't get caught up in limits. Because even that verse goes on to talk about truth and justice and grace. And the truth of the matter is, I can't live out on my own power the impassioned love and mercy of God. I need to continue to put myself into God's presence in order for that to happen. Maybe that's why Jesus was telling us why the Sabbath is even here, so I can immerse myself in God's presence and again find God's way for my life. And when that happens, what I'll realize is there's a measure of grace out there that's beyond my own human understanding, but when I see it, I have to acknowledge the power of God is in that moment. The power of God was in Boaz heaping up a pile of grain for Ruth. The power of God was in Boaz instructing his his, uh, harvesters to leave some of the best grain for Ruth. The power of God was there when Jesus has this encounter with the Pharisees and lets them know that something bigger is actually happening out there. And the power of God is there whenever I think a law would be there to limit my experience of God that I have to break through those limits and understand that the grace of God can be beyond anything that I could conjure up on my own. My goal is never to become the most graceful person I can be. My goal is to become the most graceful person God can create in me. That I could live out such an impassioned response to the hungry and the poor, I need to see it over and over again. I need to immerse myself in God's grace over and over again. And maybe if I do that in those moments, people will be able to see God's impassioned response because they don't see me but instead they see me living the way God is calling me to live. Amen.